1: It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back on a week of great victory for Kun Kapsners, but a week of introspection for others. Their calls are proven as wrong as a broadsheet journalist baiting clicks. Elsewhere, Richarlison and Madison showed their worth at 6.5, whereas Jota found himself bimmed by many. To talk about this and other things, including someone's wildcard being pulled I wonder who that could be, uh, I'm joined today by Nick. How you doing, mate?
0: All good. Thank you, Tom. Just finished watching the Liverpool game. We're recording immediately afterwards, so the bonus points are still being calculated. But I guess I'm, I would say, medium about the outcome. Uh, there's a, a bit of an interesting one. We'll, we'll talk about it in a little while. But just to say who we are, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and online at who got the assist.com as well as every podcasting platform out there so like subscribe and retweet and tell your friends if you like what you hear and apologies again if you uh, were listening via spotify last week uh, there were a few issues in terms of getting the podcast live on spotify hopefully it's now resolved for um, this this game week so
1: tom what are we talking about this week we've got two things we're focusing on this week the first is the 6.5 ish price bracket. The emerging value in there is probably the, uh, the story that's going to run for a little while. Uh, we've got a combination of current and past stats, look at that, plus our own judgments tell us what's going on. I've also wild as some of you may know, and so I think we might talk about that a little bit too, and you can enjoy some Charlem, Freud and Nick. Uh, and we're going to talk about kind of when the right conditions may be to press that panic button. Uh, we'll then do the features, the market forces, a much lighter looking zombie league after my band session today, and the All England 11 before taking some questions as usual at the end.
0: Yeah, sounds great, Tom. Anyway, um, shall we get over and done with? How how was your game week? It wasn't that great. I think I've kind of come out
1: at fifty-one, which is uh, added a little layer of respectability to get into the fifties. However, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit. But I've got to admit defeat on a few things. I mean, principally I've got to admit defeat on the idea that I can cover Caneguero, um in this round of fixtures with the idea that I have, which was to have Bilver, Marez and albamiang also, all three of them kind of covering. Being 40 points down, obviously, on a lot of informed managers and then being 20 down on the managers like yourself, the captain Solar as well, is a pretty untenable position to be in. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, I- I've had to pull the wild card as a kind of a defensive measure. Um, we'll talk about that in a little while. But yeah, yeah, not, not the best of weeks for me. A little- made a little bit better tonight. But um, it could have been, you know, it could have been better, obviously. Uh, What about you, Nick? How did you do?
0: Yeah, so I scored about 68 points, which um, I guess is kind of a middling score again, above the average, but not very... Not not very high above the average, below the top ten k average, I think, and it looks like it's possibly a red arrow for me as well, but it's still being calculated. Yeah, as I said about the Liverpool game, I think the last minute Mané goal, we got we got an assist out of it for our Salah, so that kind of you know, like you said, added a um, you know a little bit of respectability to his score. He got eighteen uh, for the captainers, so nine in total for the non-captainers. But when you compare that to the haul that Agüero got which was 20 points. And I was I was coming, kind of umming and ahring about captioning him as well. You know, a, a few people out there um, suggested he might not start. We're not going to name any names, but um, there was a certain person in his speaker box. Uh, kind of was tempted when they said um, Zanka wasn't going to play because Huddersfield looked particularly weak um, without him, but ended up captaining Salah. You know, I got Mendy, played really well, kind of deserved a hat-trick of assists, only got Two assists um, and eight points, which is quite a decent return. Obviously, having Aguero was great, 20 points, and Alcevic got eight for me. I felt a little bit hard done by, by Sigurdsson and uh, Ben Davis as their underlying stats were absolutely brilliant this game week. And they, they set up a number of chances for their teammates who couldn't score them. Um, also got the Robertson clean sheet. But other than that, you know, Mares, Jota, Van Anhalt, Patricio, all blanking as well, uh, means it was kind of an average game week for me.
1: Yeah, probably uh, not panic stations for you quite yet. So you mentioned Jota in there, and I think that this is kind of the first thing to talk about this week. The 6.5 value bracket is something we've spoken about a lot in preseason in terms of the, the talisman. To some extent, you need a golden calculator to define how well a talisman is going to do throughout the course of the season. Because obviously you need to be swapping them in and out to cover like the high value asset and what they might potentially output. However, again, the 6.5 player, definitely worth looking at. Jota was the man obviously we pegged pre-season Nick as being the punt to go with and the man to do it top scorer for Wolves last season and a pretty high rate of accuracy actually compared to James Madison uh, of 6.5 for Leicester however it doesn't appear to have worked out Jota the last two games has created one chance and taken one shot and rightfully so a lot of people have sold him and you know I sold him before I wild carded for Richarlison I think a lot of people are now looking at that and thinking you know what well probably Richarlison is where, where you might go
0: but who have you been looking at in this bracket, Nick, and who's particularly caught your eye? Well, I mean, we did a pre-season article, didn't we, on the uh, 6.5 million midfielders, the crowded house, as we uh, refer to. It. And oh, yeah. um, I've got something to confess, actually, Tom. I've actually already done a switch in this uh, position. I've, you know, I, I followed the crowd, so to speak, and I, I've swapped out Jota and I've brought in Richarlison, And uh, it's a bit of a risky pump because we have actually looked at the underlying stats on Richarlison. He's far outperforming what he's actually been doing in the league. I mean, he's only had four shots and he's managed to score three of his four shots, which is pretty impressive. So the guys who um, owned him have done pretty well out of him, uh, all things considered. But it's, it's a tough one because last season he was so poor with his shooting and he, I think he was the second or the third he had the second or third most goal attempts um, last season so I'm not I'm not so certain I know you, you mentioned he was, he was doing a kapoo and he potentially was unsustainable but if he can actually hit that sort of level of goal attempts that he managed last season and he seems like he's been working he's a very young player and he seems like he's been working on his finishing a fair bit over the summer we could continue to see halls from Richarlison and with Everton's fixtures I, I just had and the and the price rise as well I just had to make that move.
1: No, I absolutely understand, and I I probably would have Done the same if I hadn't have kind of popped the wild card as it was. No, I think you're right on Richarlison. The thing is with is the ownership, right? So the ownership is 30% now on Richarlison. So any goal that he scores is a rank killer for you if you don't own him. And you know, we've got the fixtures coming up, which are very good for Everton, that like we were picked up by many people at the start of the season. Uh but Bournemouth, Huddersfield, West Ham, the next three, Arsenal in game week six, which is a kind of a little bit of a little bit of a tougher game, but seven, eight, and nine again, Fulham, Leicester, and Crystal Palace. So that's six fixtures where Richardson is in with a very good chance of returning. If he does return at 30% ownership, he is going to kill your rank if he scores. That said, the stats, as you've just mentioned, are a little bit interesting, to say the least. Richardson's xG is 0.92, uh, which means the quality of the shots he's had, um, he should have scored 0.92 goals by now. He scored three, which means he's got plus 2.08, which is much above the top xG scorer at this point last season, which was uh, Anthony Martialnick. He of scoring nine goals last year without anyone realizing fame. However, um, you know Richardson, I think, is a bit of a no-brainer call, I'm afraid. We're likely to see a regression. I think that's definitely the case. Uh, I'm sure there are a few people who are looking at it thinking, well, he's going to regress, so why should I bring him in? Uh, the key is the ownership. And the key as well, as you've just kind of inferred, is the kind of. Yeah, so it's something intangible, isn't it? But I think that uh, there's always that element of form, which means that a player can outperform what the stats that they're posting. It's like the inverse kind of Cedric effect, isn't it? Where Cedric has famously always posted fantastic stats, but the output hasn't really kind of tallied up to it. With if it just looks like he's in an unconfident form at the moment. He's with Marco Silva as father figure. And I think that he, you know, at first and ownership, you've got to really be thinking, yeah, no brainer. And I can see why you brought him in. And he's straight in my wild-card team as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, at this stage of the season, we don't want to go too much into the underlying stats because, like we said, it's very early and, and, you, and it, you can't really notice trends. And it's more pointing out that. If a player has brilliant stats in the first couple of game weeks, it's not necessary that they're going to be able to sustain that level of stats for the entire season. I mean, looking at Richardson last season compared to this season, his minutes per goal last season was actually 565.4 minutes per goal, which is actually pretty poor compared to this season where it's um, 57.3 minutes per goal. The last season, his goal attempts was actually higher than it is now. So his goal attempts currently is sitting at 2.0 goals at goal attempts per game compared to 2.5 last season. So he was actually making more attempts on average last season, which kind of underlies the point that you were making there, Tom.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean, let's look at some other guys in this bracket then, shall we, Nick? Uh, the first one probably actually is a little bit above it. It's Mikatarian at 7.0, Nick. And uh, Arsenal, of course, about to uh, embark on after a cu- tricky couple of first fixtures on a the, on the run of fantastic games between game weeks three and 10. They've noticed from the top six last season, they're all kind of at, towards the top of the FDR and towards the top of our ticker. And the last game, obviously, um, it, he returned uh, Mikatarian. Um, he's kind of started the season as he did last season to some extent. And it's looking like, uh, you know, for whatever reason he, he's having a very good time of it and you know compared to Man United last year um he's posting very similar stats same number of goal attempts in the first two games a uh, similar number of uh, uh chances created although he did create slightly more chances be United incredibly over uh, like last year I think mean, he got four assists in the first two games didn't he uh, but Mkhitaryan is in the top three for attempts once midfielders with five uh one big chance there and uh, he's also the top for chances created amongst midfielders with seven. And he's created two big chances. That is uh, interesting, especially in the context of the fact that he has just played Manchester City and Chelsea. Um, so 7.0, I think that he could be one to definitely keep an eye on. And if you are looking to kind of, you know, if you've got 0.5 spare and you're, you've sold to, or you're thinking of selling Jota, or as part of a, you know, your two FT's, I think that he may well be top of your list right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think with Arsenal's fixtures, uh, they've got a great run coming up. And considering that they've had um, two really tough fixtures um, at the beginning of the season, uh, playing two of the best teams, to have um, the best, uh, like you said, created more chances than any other midfielder with seven and um, 26 minutes per chance created. That's pretty pretty decent underlying stats. And now the run uh, for Arsenal is looking a lot kinder you'd like to see um it's quite likely that he's going to start converting uh, more of those chances um or his teammates will rather like sort of obameyang who um, unfortunately didn't deliver a few times but we're not going to talk about that for the moment. Uh sure. yeah. <laughs> but yeah like like you said yeah vegetarian definitely definitely an option slightly more um, expensive than the other guys that we're going to talk about but um yeah definitely someone to keep an eye on for sure.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Moving on to James Madison, the nickel. We've seen a a lot of hype about him um, after watching the game. It looks like he's um, doing a good job of stepping into Riyad Mahrez's shoes uh, as far as the indications go. Uh, However, it should probably be pointed out, again, I'm going to lurch towards the XG here. Uh, that his XG was actually 0.17. Uh, so he's, his goal means that he's massively overperforming that at the moment with uh, plus 0.83 on the delta. We saw in the prospects and the prospects, didn't we, that he takes a lot of shots. He tends to take a lot of shots per game and the accuracy is variable, to say the least. It was below 50% his shot accuracy last season for Norwich. And, um, you know, Leicester do have uh, Southampton Liverpool the next two. You may be thinking, well, I'm happy to watch and wait there. And to be honest, that's my view really on that. Uh, between game weeks five and 15, though, Leicester only play Arsenal of the top six, and they have a very, very nice run. So the eye should be on players like Madison, like Pereira, like Vardy. And when people do wild cards, when the mainstream does wild card around kind of game week four and five, I think that'll probably be when people mostly go for it. And um, I expect to see Leicester to be kind of uh, in many squads, uh, despite the unrest it seems going on with Puel at the moment. Uh, what do you make of Madison, Nick, after seeing him this weekend?
0: Yeah, I think obviously he's um, an exciting player to watch and um, definitely one to see how he performed. They've got Southampton up next, which is a reasonable fixture. Then they've got Liverpool, which is a tougher one. And after that, they've got quite a nice run of uh, Bournemouth, Huddersfield and Newcastle. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs in the uh, next couple of fixtures. And if if he is uh, worth the hype, as they say, I mean, his underlying stats, like you mentioned, they're not the most impressive out of all of all of the 6.5s, even if he is passing the eye test. I mean, he, he's made seven crosses. Zero have been successful, which sounds like a throwback to a non-watch there. But yeah, no, um, I think he's definitely one to watch, but not necessarily someone that I would um, recommend bringing in at this moment in time, considering the uh, other 6.5 million midfielders that are on offer.
1: 14 goals, 8 assists last season uh, for Norwich. And he did have a set-piece set monopoly. I don't think he's going to be on penalties for Leicester. So that'll probably be Vardy. But, you now if he is taking the set plays, you've got to just hope it kind of goes into Slabhead's face. But I think that this is one that is worth watching and waiting for rather than kind of jumping into Pedro, I think, for the next one. Like We um, we trailed him a lot, didn't we, during pre-season. And he, and like Richardson is, a, is a, quite a, a selfish player. What he'll do is is take shots whenever he can. He's not really looking to set anyone up, is he? He's looking to score a goal. And you can see that last season, um, despite only playing under 2,000 minutes, Pedro managed a shot frequency of a shot uh, once under every half an hour, which is pretty damn good in terms of the time he was on the field and kind of shows what he's looking for. Um, Yeah, I guess that the issue with him is that once Hazard's back, where does he fit in? Like he's risen by uh, by 0.1. He's now 6.6. He scored two goals in the last two games, of course. But do, are we looking at him, Nick, and thinking, yeah, he's going to be the man who's going to continue on there? Or are we going to see kind of Willian, I guess, Hazard's a, a, net, a stick on that Chelsea team? So are we going to see him lose minutes to Willian?
0: It's a it's a tough question. I think he uh, suits Sarri's model a little bit more than um, he suited the 5-3-2 because he was kind of he didn't really feature too much in Conte's plans, but it seems like Sarri likes him and he's starting him uh, week in week out. He's obviously started the first couple of games really well as well, and he seems on form. Um he was one of our falling stars as well because he's dropped he dropped in price by about 1.5 million uh, this season, and he's really he's really looking pretty good, to be honest. I mean, two goals obviously um which is great but he's also um, he's also got a twenty four point four minutes per, per attempt so he's getting lots of attempts and goal and he's he's creating a few chances as well i mean every 57 minutes so he, he is um he seems to be working well alongside his teammates this season i think he's definitely um someone to perhaps think about bringing in if you've got If you are wild carding like yourself, Tom, I mean, they've got Newcastle, Bournemouth, Cardiff and West Ham, which is um, a really good run of fixtures for Chelsea, actually, uh, the next four. So I think definitely um, in terms of Chelsea coverage, he would probably be um, he's probably the best out there in terms of attackers right now for if you look at price, so um, I mean, yeah, I think I mean, is, the,
1: he, is he? I mean, there's I think a, he's there, ahead there's of
0: William
1: as well. Yeah, I know, but I mean, in terms of attackers, you're you're probably looking a bit too far up the pitch, aren't right? you? I mean, you have got uh, Mr. Alonso, don't we? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, again. I mean, obviously indicative. Yeah, again, but there's a familiar face at the top of the uh, the attempts for defenders. Is it's Alonso again? Who's up top with six? And you, you mentioned the fantastic underlying stats for Ben Davies. Uh, again, five shots. He's just second. But Alonso, I don't know what happened really. I just think that, you know, we all kind of thought, well, Sarri's going to try to discipline him. It just sounds like he's just not able to be disciplined, is he? He, he is still breaking forth those positions. He's still kind of almost as much as Mendy is being in the, in, in the final third. He has forced his way into our thinking, certainly, hasn't he? I mean, if, if Pedro 6.6 and Alonso 6.6, surely you buy Alonso. You know, he's had six shots and he's also created three chances, one of those being a big chance as well, which is better than Pedro. He's nailed two. I mean, it feels a bit of a no-brainer to me, despite the fact no one really thought about him pre-season.
0: I'm a little bit annoyed, really, because I kind of... I was a bit of a victim, I guess, of the... um after news articles out there and all the talk about how Sari's not even potentially going to even start him and he's going to be more defensive because I mean, all preseason I talked about these attacking wingbacks and how they've got the potential for attacking and defensive returns and how, you know, they're really good. And obviously I, Loaded up on left-backs, actually. My entire defence is made up of left-backs with uh, Ben Davis, PVA, Mendy and Robertson. And I forgot the most prolific of all left-backs and decided (laughs) inexplicably to exclude him from my side, despite the fact he was only 0.5 million more expensive. And um, yeah, I missed out on the returns that he's got. And now I don't have the budget to actually fit him in, which is a little bit irritating for me, unless I take a a minus four. But yeah, I mean, obviously... uh, Alonso is great you know we talked about him a lot last year he was one of our favorite players to watch all season you know he was he was so prolific with his attempts and uh, and he seems like he's really hit the hit the ground running this season as well definitely uh, someone to look at if you are wild calling I'm, I would be surprised if you didn't bring him in with Chelsea's fixtures like I mentioned they're pretty good but yeah with Pedro I mean I don't see why you can't double up to be honest you know 13 million pounds on two really attacking Chelsea players I mean what's not to like about that?
1: Absolutely. It just depends on the team structure which we'll talked talk about in a minute. But um, yeah, um, I mean, I, I still probably think that Alonso is probably your man um, if you're looking to cover Chelsea kind of back and front almost. And you know, as you just mentioned, they've got Newcastle, Bournemouth and Cardiff. The last two fixtures are at home. Those are fixtures that FPL managers should be looking at. And kind of licking their lips about, I'm afraid, um, if you don't own any Chelsea players, you should be really looking to get some in pretty soon. I'm sure things will sort themselves out and things will kind of uh, uh, self-right themselves. I mean, there are a few other players here. I mean, there's your man Siggy, um, there's Walcott, there's Lucas Moura as well. There's Ryan Sessegnon, who got an assist to kind of uh, bring himself back from the brink a little bit. Um, but I mean, there's nothing to say about these kind of other guys, these other guys in the picture. Or is it really kind of a case of Richarlison? Mickey, Pedro and maybe Alonso kind of dominating the scene?
0: I mean, there are cases to make for those other players. I think it all comes down to, like, if you're wanting to differentiate from the masses, so to speak. I've um, still got Gilfie Sigurdsson, so I'm actually doubled up now in the Everton uh, midfield. But I mentioned his his stats were actually pretty decent. He created six chances, which was more than any other player this um, game week. He was really unlucky not to get an assist, actually, which, you know... bit annoying but um you know he obviously with Everton's fixtures I think he definitely will get some attacking returns pretty soon he's definitely one to to watch uh setting on I wouldn't say he's a good idea to get in at the moment he uh he's only had I think he's he's had a chance every 90 minutes which isn't isn't great but and Fulham did have um quite a tough fixture this game week and I think Fulham's fixtures are starting to look a little bit nicer um they've got a They've got Burnley up next and then they've got um, Brighton and then they've got, I think, you know, um, he is an option, but I think with the other options at that price bracket, I wouldn't necessarily go for on. He's a little bit unproven in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, and there's always kind of your man Walcott as well, who, didn't really, who like at 6.5 seems to be kind of the, the forgotten guy uh, with Richarlison getting a lot of the love. I mean, Walcott has been weighing in at around the same sort of stats level um, as Richarlison, so he's created two chances, same as Richarlison. And then he's taken three shots compared to Richarlison's four, and two of his shots have been big chances as well. So, uh, which is kind of one which is the same as Richarlison so you know it seems like both those wingers are getting forward it's just kind of how it's all going to work out with uh, with Bernard and things like that but you know there's definitely a lot in that price bracket and it looks it sounds like Richarlison's kind of the man if you don't own him already and if you don't own him um I mean I probably would go for Mkhitaryan and I will be going for Mkhitaryan on my wild card will you be uh looking at Mickey in time soon Nick?
0: I don't know at the moment. I am thinking about an Arsenal player, possibly even a defender like Bellerin as another option. Hasn't hit the ground running this season, but um, with the with the decent Arsenal fixtures, I think he's definitely uh, one to watch and probably the best asset in terms of defence. So if I was looking to... Uh, ideally, I'd like to upgrade Ben Davis to Alonso, but if I was looking to downgrade, then it would be Bellerin, or I might even just stick with uh, Ben Davis seeing seeing that Manchester United conceded three against Brighton surely he's he's due an assist now
1: yeah he's definitely due in some ways it's just whether he's going to realise that
0: who got the assist who got
1: the assist all right. Uh, so uh, sh- shall we move on quickly uh, to my wild card then, Nick? So it- it's an interesting time. Fortunately, I-, I had to kind of go for it, despite the cause of- for optimism last week. Uh, for whatever reason, the- well, the, ga- the gamble that I mentioned didn't really pay off. And uh, I was zero for three. Um, I had uh, well, Aubameyang, I had Dilver and I had Mares, and the three of them didn't score uh, to cover the 40-pointer that Sergio Aguero created for his captain. There's 20 points for non-captainers, that is i kind of decided to pull the wild card and i think it's worth kind of talking about talking about that generally i think you know everybody else will be talking about this in a couple of weeks so it might be worth kind of getting in first a little bit um, and the reasons for the wild card pool for me are thus um the first one was getting the player in um i always said you know getting a wild card is contingent on one player emerging that i need to buy uh this was kuno and i probably should have um you know, I probably uh outfought it a little bit. Any goal from him now is a rank killer. He's gonna be number two own player. I can't be stubborn about that. I just need to sort it out. To get him in the squad I had, I'd have to donate points and those are points I simply didn't have to donate. Um, It'd also mean that I was behind in terms of transfers, so if people are buying in Alonso or something this week, or looking to move Richarlison in, um, I'd be buying players to template up for the week before and cover that week before, rather than kind of planning my team forward. And uh, yeah, part of that is just accepting my gambles didn't really work out, and to just reshape and course correct as early as possible. Um, I think being stubborn and letting the rot to set in wouldn't have been a good idea. I've got to show some bounce-back ability, as Ian Dowie would say. So Nick, after things happened this weekend, do you think I've made the right decision to wild card, or are you uh, are, are you still unsure about what I've done and why I've done it?
0: Well, I can understand the arguments you're making. I just worry about wild carding so early means that you're going to you're chasing points to a certain extent. Obviously, a lot of people have these players in their team and they've already scored these points. Now you're going to be. Fifty odd points behind some of these players who have the likes of Aguero, who have the likes of Alonso, Mane. If you're thinking about him as well, and you'll also be you'll be also be missing your wild card. So when suddenly Kane scores a hat trick and has a great run of fixtures and everyone's wild carding and bringing Kane in and Aguero looks like he's being rotated for Jesus after that first six fixtures, you know, hypothetically. And you might feel like you're falling behind them again because they're all wild carding and you're having to take hits. And, you know, I'm obviously I understand why you've done it, but uh, and it is a bit frustrating. We obviously both backed Riyad Mahrez and he hasn't done anything yet. We, you back to Bamiyang as well, who's not scored any of his chances. But then we always knew that Arsenal had two really tough fixtures at the beginning of the season, and you didn't bring him in for those two fixtures. You brought him in for game week three to seven for Arsenal as well. So you could have stuck with it. I guess we'll see. Your team's looking so fresh, so clean. So we'll, we'll see how you see how it works out. It might be the best move. Of the season might might save your season, as you said.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I probably will keep um, Aubameyang, actually. I think part of it is basically about coming back swinging with a soon-to-be unaffordable side. So the idea is looking at Aubameyang, looking at Kun as, uh, and looking at probably Zahara as the front three. Um, having three in midfield, probably Mkhitaryan, Salah definitely, and probably Richarlison at the back, having a back four of uh, Mendy. Alonso, um, it would have been Wan-Bissaka, so probably I'm going to have to end up playing um, the next Salah, Golo Kante, the next game at least, and then uh, probably Edison and goal. So Edison, Mendy, and Cuneguero being my, uh, my three Man City players. Uh, I'm not too happy about playing the defensive wildcard, but I think sometimes you've got to go on, you know, got to play the defensive. That makes sense if you're in a position like I'm in. Um, I think some, sometimes as well, there's a little bit of a wider point to be made here about the nature of advice. Um, we tend to say this bit a little bit later on in the year, don't we? But I think it might be pertinent to just say quickly now. I um, Remember, sometimes the people are looking at things from their perspective. People do find it quite difficult to step into other people's shoes. So, for example, this week, I, think people, I was thinking about it on um, on Sunday night, actually, wildcard. Uh, people were advising me not to, and I asked them, who's your captain this week? It was Kinneguaro, and um, so it's very hard from them, from their perspective, to think about how it would feel if they didn't own that player, um, and it was coming from very much perspective of, um, well, I wouldn't wild card. So you know, uh, I think that definitely influences people's view at the moment. Uh, it's one of those things where a few boxes have been ticked in terms of the conditions to wild card, which are you've had a bit of a setback, you need to make changes to your team. Um, you know, I wanted to keep Aubameyang, but. Also get Kuniguero in, which is looking like a minus eight. I don't have those points. And I think that it's definitely kind of worth doing. I I definitely know what you mean in terms of in the future, I'm going to have to probably be a bit more planned about what I do. But nonetheless, I do this most years Um, in terms of uh, wild carding early. It's kind of, you know, what maybe one or two weeks earlier, I normally would, but I've got time now. There's no midweek fixtures unless, unless I'm a Burnley owner, which I'm not. There are no real rises around in the IB. They're more around this sort of time. So I can take advantage of those. For example, I'm sitting on Marnet at the moment, I may well get 0.2 out of him. Uh, so a have a 0.1 profit. And it looks like Aubameyang may drop as well. So I've got you know a few kind of areas which look like it's going to work out. The key is having that unaffordable side, really, and being able to use that to my advantage going forward. And some of it is, I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, setting up for last week. I'm trying not to do that and fall into that trap and just chase points with my wild card. Some of it is about kind of balancing hindsight and foresight. And uh, in terms of foresight, you know, having Mickey and Alba in my team is probably where I'm going to go with it and kind of have bizarre awesome fixtures in mind, have space to have, bring a Leicester player in, have space to bring X, Y, and Z in. It's not ideal, but it is what it is. And uh, you know, sometimes you just got to take, uh, take what you're given, really, and deal with the circumstance in front of you. And I think that's kind of the, the key for me in terms of wildcarding generally. As FPL Connect has said many times, we give you the tools, but it's up to you to decide. In terms of your wildcard, Nick, what are your plans? I mean, do you have any thoughts for it at the moment? What are the conditions that would make you wildcard?
0: I don't have any plans at the moment. I like to take each game week as they come. I normally tend to wildcard around game week seven, game week eight. Wildcarding around that time last season really paid off for me, actually. That's when I really started to see a big increase in my overall rank. Um, There were a few players really hitting for around that time, as I've said before, and other pods. I think it was Sterling for Manchester City was one player that I brought in that, was really good at that moment in time and I was was like I think I brought in Stephen Ward from Burnley and I think I managed to catch like 0.5 in price rises from him as uh, a a (laughs) few assists for me as well and uh, yeah he was was just a random player that really really benefited um, my team at the time so I think yeah it'll it'll be a wait and see I can't see myself wildcarding until at least game week six I'll probably keep the core of my team for the next few game weeks. It's, it's tough with players like Riyad Mahrez because obviously Manchester City have some really great fixtures but he's not I mean the first game I think he came off after 57 minutes. This game he, came, um, he started on the bench and only played about 20 minutes and it's tough to know what to do with some of these players especially when you look at um, the likes of Sadio Mane who's only 0.5 more expensive he, he, he will start every game for Liverpool. You won't see him sitting on the bench. And he uh, he's looking pretty prolific as well. Even somehow managed to get three bonus points, even though it's Sadio Mane we're talking about. So it's a tough one. I still want to have three Manchester City players for these fixtures as well. So I've, I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent there, talking about Mahrez and Mane. But moving back to, to wild cards, yeah, I think if i have like an injury crisis i may be forced to pull the trigger or if i have a really poor game week like you said you've had a you've had a pretty poor game week it's it's very early in the season and maybe this is the impetus you need to, to sort your team out and, and get going yeah exactly i mean uh, you
1: know last year obviously didn't quite pay off um, because Conaguerre was an accident in a taxi in Amsterdam. <laughs> but you know, the year before, I pulled the wild card around this time, and um, that kind of propelled me up to uh, to my final kind of uh, position of just up to 20k. The year before that, pulled the, pulled the wild card um, around this time as well, ended up 2k. So, you know, f- things change. And I, I think that sometimes it's, it's just very much down to the situation in front of you and it's just about kind of adjusting to what you see in front of you. Okay, uh, let's take a break there, Nick, and we'll move on to the features. Um, got the assist who got the assist so we're back and we're going to do our market forces section this is our section where we use our uh, fpl nti data to describe the movers and shakes in the transfer market and nick's the man across the numbers uh what, what are you see in this
0: so um, i guess there's no surprises who's top of the net transfers in this game week it's um first it's mr richarlison now we talked a little bit about him already He's a popular pick. I've already drafted him. In. He's he's in your wildcard. So we're two people that have jumped aboard the, uh, the Richarlison wagon we've got on the back of the bus and uh, we've uh, signed him up into our teams. Um, 295,000 managers have transferred him in this game week alone. Uh, so far, which is no surprise, as you mentioned, Thomas is, is um, ownerships now over thirty percent. Secondly, most transferred in player, surprisingly not first, I guess, is is Aguero. He's had over two hundred thousand transfers in. After that, uh, brilliant performance against Um We've talked about Man City's fixtures as well, which are brilliant. Um, they're playing Wolves up next, but they've also got Cardiff, the likes of Brighton up next, um, Newcastle as well. So you know, really good fixture run for Manchester City and uh, his teammate Benjamin Mendy, who um, we declared a must own on Twitter. His uh, third in terms of transfers in, uh, he he was absolutely brilliant. He was he was playing um, so Manchester City lined up with five uh, defenders and he was playing wing back and he was just creating so many crosses. I, uh, it was ridiculous the amount of crosses coming from that guy. Um, and he, he showed some goal threat as well. Um, he should have had three assists, really, but he only got two assists. But that actually, that puts him on four assists for the season, which is, is brilliant for a defender after just two games. So, you know, who, who knows how many he'll end up on at the same season. He's already had two price rises. He's up to 6.2. But he's still looking like an absolute bargain, considering the um, attacking returns and the defensive returns that he has on offer
1: oh, I mean those three aren't surprising are they really um, I mean I'm sorry Richarlison but I think Aguero is probably going to be the top guy who comes in uh, for a lot of people this week and um, we're seeing sales of Jamie Vardy who uh, got sent off he's going to miss I think I think he's going to miss one game but over 110,000 people have sold him off now and interestingly um for my wildcard kind of hopes 82,000 people have sold Aubameyang ahead of that fantastic run of fixtures I mean if he did watch the game uh, he did uh, obviously sky a very very easy chance which seemed a little bit Bit unlike him, but equally, it sounds like from Borussia Dortmund's fans, he's a little bit kind of hot and cold. I'm just kind of hoping he does kind of pop back into back into form. Um, but equally, you know, people are just making the swap, aren't they? Because of the Koniguerro output and kind of the the rage of being without Kun. Um And I think Mendy, you know, we we said at the start of the season, I spoke about him an awful lot. For 6.0 he's actually underpriced. I think he's probably going to be six point five slash seven next year if he carries on at this rate. Um, interestingly, in terms of transfers out, we don't really see defenders in the top five, do we? Uh, you've got to travel quite a long way down the transfers out list to, to identify the first defender, who's Otto Mendy, who's been uh, sold by almost 50,000 people. Walker, sold by almost 42,000. And another one, another Arsenal player, Bellerin, again, being sold by almost 45,000 people now. So quite a lot of different sources uh, for uh, for people getting Mendy in. Yeah, kind of Aguero. And yeah, Richarlison as well, been sold, uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Sanchez being sold a lot for him, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, so De Bruyne is the most sold uh, player uh, this, oh, this game week. Uh, 100, over one hundred seventy thousand uh, transfers out. Obviously, he's injured, so um, you know people are getting rid fast, and they're probably freeing up a fair bit of cash as well. So maybe that's um, you know funding the moves for the likes of Mendy, the likes of Agüero, and also the likes of Alonso, who's had over two hundred thousand transfers in as well after that um, brilliant first couple of games for him. So yeah. No surprises there, premium defenders, um Alonzo and Mendy being drafted in, um, the likes of Sanchez, likes of Ericsson's being sold heavily. There's a few people I've seen on Twitter who kind of had to make a decision between Ericsson and Marne, and they picked Ericsson and they're regretting that decision quite um vocally. So <laughs> it's um he's Ericsson's had over eighty thousand transfers out and Spurs have Manchester United up next, which is another tough fixture for them.
1: Yeah, I imagine there's going to be a real exodus there. Um, to, to be honest with with Mane, he's not quite in the top five yet, but 120, two uh, hundred and twenty five thousand transfers in so far. I think we're going to see after that goal um, more people uh, buying uh, buying Sadio. And I think it's going to be interesting for me as well, because I'm going to make a decision really whether I keep Mane, who I'm going to sit on and hope for a 0.1 out of at least, uh, whether I actually keep him on. Um, it in my wildcard, whether he ends up going in the end for the Aubameyang plan that I mentioned. But it's quite a difficult one in terms of trying to understand uh, whether he's the one or just the prototype in the team that I've got. Um, finally, I guess, uh, Mkhitaryan, we mentioned him a minute ago, uh, being brought in by almost 150,000 people so far. So 150,000 people have really heard this pod and, uh, and have acted. Uh, but I guess ahead of the fixtures that we're seeing, he um, it's not too surprising to see his, his ownership bloom, is it? Uh, last season, he was the top home midfielder uh, within the space of uh, two game weeks. And it looks like, it, you know, I don't think it's going to go that way. It looks hope like it's going to be Richarlison uh, behind Salah for the time being. Uh, but 14% ownership he's crept up to now. Um, beginning to look, you know, good, good as you said, a good relationship with, with Aubameyang from Dortmund. And it looks like he's going to be one that um, Emery's trusting and uh, is in the team right now and is producing. Yeah, for sure, definitely uh, one to watch. Um,
0: shall we? Shall we move on? All
1: right, all right. let's uh, let's move on to the zombie league, Nick. And this is uh, again a little bit vexed because we are talking um, just after the games are finished. But This is where we check on the process of our shambling zombies uh, run by our. Uh, unspecified family members living our address of course Uh, this is our no chips no transfers no changes league anyone violating this in any way shape or form will be booted and i looked through the the league this uh this Monday and I found 75 people I think it was in the first three pages who had uh, done something be it make a transfer be it play a chip uh, be it change captaincy or there are a few sneaky people who moved Wan-Bissaka and Peltier around. Um, so not only have they left the zombie team, they've also got minus two now, which I think is quite uh, uh, quite nice. Um, yeah, but there's a few kind of interesting characters in there at the moment. Uh, it's worth giving a shout out to Prashant here, um, who is being done by a zombie, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, his zombie team scored 76 points this week his actual team scored below that and his uh, actual zombie team is outranking his own team by quite a long way Uh, his zombie team's in the top 100k right now i think that's gonna be something which happens an awful lot this week uh
0: how did your zombie team itself do so i scored 50 points maybe if you remove some more people tom i might actually see a green arrow but Mm. it's um, looking unlikely at the moment i scored 50 points um so i've got salah and kane um who both got returns my um Five man at the back didn't work out too well for me this game week. I've got the eight from Mendy, but uh, Keane, David Luiz, Baye, uh, and Vetonian all blanks. And I actually had um, a knockout assist um, sitting on the bench. So uh, <laughs> not ideal um, game week. Um uh, I've also got eight, eight points, but yeah, 50 points um, in total. Sees uh, my zombie team sitting currently 585th uh, in the league. How about yourself? Yeah, fair enough.
1: Uh, my, mine's got a uh, forty-four. Um, again, not not the best, really. And uh, I've got a Huddersfield M captain bust. Uh, De Bruyne are injured, so uh, Tom Kenny's off the bench. Uh, Duffy scored his first goal ever in the Premier League after sitting atop the uh, goals imminent table that FFS Joe loves so much. Um, he's second on my bench and trapped there because uh, Ashley Young and Ben Me both play for one point. I mean, some of the uh, the good points were uh, Pascal Gross. Getting ten points. Uh, Pereira for Leicester uh, getting a, getting another assist. Get twelve. As per the quest with an assist. And Edison in goal also getting an assist. However, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's probably not looking too good at the moment. I think um, over the next kind of few game weeks, I'm hoping that um, Bamiang shows up and turns it around. But you know, I've got Jota in there. I've got Ericsson, who I'm hoping will spark in there. I've got Firmino who was for intents purposes pretty anonymous in tonight's game in there. Um, it's just kind of a little hope that a few of these players are going to kind of show up and turn it around because I purposely kind of spread the wealth, and it's just for whatever reason it's not quite worked so far.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, shall we check up on the All England team as well then? So this is our team that's celebrating the Three Lions' achievement at the World Cup. So we're going to be running a team from start to finish with solely English players. So how did they do? I know they transferred in Sterling, which didn't work out for them this game week, did it?
1: Minus four this week to bring in Walker and Sterling. Neither of them showed up. So off the bench comes Sessignon with his assist and Charlie Austin for a one-pointer. Uh, a goal for Madison, assist for Ali, a clean sheet for uh, TAA and Morrison, and a goal for Tarko, stood in a good stead. Uh, Harry Kane, their captain, scored a goal. But it's not, not looking too fantastic for them either um, after 52 points and quite a poor start to the season. Um, we might wildcard soon. I'm just not too sure really what to do because we've got you know Jamie Vardy, it isn't around, it is suspended at the moment. If Raheem Sterling and Carl Walker had played, I think we'd be looking at a very different story. It's just the case that they've been kind of victimised by Pepper, omitting both of those key players for our All England team. There just needs to be a hope that it's going to kind of improve in the future. But I mean, that we is looking pretty dicey for the All England team as well, with the key men, uh, Harry Kane and Deli Ali, being away at Man United, uh, which isn't particularly good. If Sterling and Walker return, then that's obviously all well and good. But, you know, the captaincy is quite a vexed issue. I may end up actually uh, taking the gamble that uh, Sterling uh, does show up and play away at Wolves. Um, He looks like the most likely captain choice at the moment with Josh King, Austin, uh, James Madison and, uh, and Townsend all having kind of adverse fixtures. So it may be Raheem Sterling who takes the captaincy and we hope that he kind of comes on and does something in his one game that he's going to get every other game, I
0: suppose. Yeah, I guess um, yeah, kind of makes sense to, to back Sterling. He didn't start the last game. You'd like to think that he's going to get a go against Wolves. I mean, in terms of transfers, there's a few options, I guess, out there. You could be covering another English Manchester City player in John Stones, who played the last game. Another potential rotation risk for you, though. Um, or, yeah. Kieran, or Kieran Trippier, who um, scored a worldie of a free kick. Um like he did against Colombia not Colombia like he did against Croatia in, in the World Cup but obviously you, know, you mentioned uh, Spurs have a trickier uh, fixture against United so um, you know a couple of options out there perhaps for transfers as well yeah exactly
1: we'll, we'll let you know how that goes um, and I'll obviously post it on Twitter as well for everybody's thoughts as that develops
0: okay let's take a break then Nick and move on to the questions
1: who got the assist who got the assist
0: so we're back and I guess um, the first thing to talk about in our community section is our tie-in with FPL this season which is um, a really exciting opportunity for the podcast.
1: We were more than happy to take part I mean it, it's just one of those things that we, we've been playing FPL for a long time and obviously you know texting about it for years and years you know spent time on forums and um, most recent times spent time on Twitter Um so obviously we're proud to have been uh, been noticed I suppose for, for doing an okay job in some way shape or form uh, just to know for anyone who's wondering we're not being paid um, and uh, we are kind of gi- giving our uh, giving our views um, just as part of kind of a representation of the community it, it's a really great opportunity and we're obviously really thankful and really grateful to have been
0: recognized we are thrilled to be involved with FPL and the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, look out for us. You can find um, our comments um, on the, the scout part of the website, uh, normally two, two, two times a week, but we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, depends depends on the article. But, yeah, watch out for it. It's, it's an exciting opportunity. So um, we'll, we'll move on to the uh, who got the assist mini-league. If you haven't joined already, our league code is 516-1. Four, four, one, and it's still refreshing. So we don't have a proper update for you for now. But looking at the, um, the sort of the top of the league, there's some really high scores that are worth mentioning. Uh, Jonathan Cargo Bizgard scored 110 points with his barely fancy team. We've had uh, 111 from uh, Gary Cocker, Didi or Deschamps, and um, Andrew McKinnon also scored 105 points with being on Uh But at the moment, and I don't want to say for certain because it's still refreshing, that the top top of the league looks like it might be Lazarus Kalatizidis um with drink team, and he scored 121 points, which is <laughs> absolutely mental. Um, a brilliant score, and that's after scoring 98 points in game week one as well. So he's doing really well. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what his overall rank is, uh, because he scored. His um, game week one rank was one nine five one six and at the moment he's saying his game week two rank is one zero five five two. So who's in his team, you might wonder? He well he obviously captained De for 40 points. He's also got Analkovic, eight points, he's got Salah, nine points, Richarlison, nine points, Mkhitaryan, twelve points, Mane, ten points. He's also got Bilva, your man, two pointer. Um, he's got Mendy, eight points. Steve Cook, 14 points. Oh, my oh, God. Robertson, seven points. And Fab uh, Fabianski for a two-pointer in goal. So that's a ridiculous score. Uh, very well done.
1: Absolute dreamland, that, isn't it? When you get every single one of your players uh, almost returning. Uh, Let's move on to the questions then, Nick. We've got a few this week and a few of them about a a very uh, familiar theme. Uh, After watching the performance uh, this evening of Mo Salah, um, obviously didn't score, was thrown on goal twice, uh, didn't quite make it. And it it was Mane who was able to convert. And a few people have kind of written in about him. Uh, I think probably the first place to start with is uh, the question that Aaron, Tom Bartley and a few other people have asked about Mo. No Salah, but I feel like we'll ask this every, every game week almost. Um, but should we even keep Mo with the uh, the tough uh, tough fixtures that are coming up after game week three?
0: I think it's definitely worth keeping. You're talking about a player who's just got eight points in game week one and nine points in game week two. Obviously, he's 13 million, but any other player, you'd be thrilled with that sort of return and, and you'll be looking at a player that everyone will be trying to draft in and fit into their squad. So, Yeah, definitely. For me, um, he's a season keeper, and I'll probably continue to captain him. Obviously, it'll be nice to see some more returns from him, perhaps double-figure returns, nice to see more bonus points coming his way as well. And he is, to a certain extent, being outshone by his keeper teammate in Sadio Mane, who you like I mentioned, picked up the free bonus points, but you know Liverpool, their fixtures aren't too bad. They got Brighton up next at home, so that's, a, that's a, you know a great fixture. Another potential um, captaincy. I probably will captain um, Salah again. So for me, I'm, I'm keeping him. I'm, I'm certainly not thinking about selling him, even if um, you know the likes of Mane are knocking on the on the door of my team. Yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, I could be uh, very aggressive with my wild cards. Um, but I'm not going to be. I think, I think that having Salah just seems like a, a suicide to go without. If I have wildcarded to bring in Kun Aguero because 30% is kind of where I want to be, um, then, uh, yeah, if, if I'm getting rid of a player who's owned by uh, by upwards of 50% of the game, then I think that I'm probably asking for it, so I'm probably not going to be doing that. You just mentioned uh, Mane then. A couple of people have asked about um, FPL royalty, particularly asked about this. You know, who goes alongside Mo Salah if we want to kind of copy that uh, Liverpool setup? Well, it's an interesting question, really. Who sits alongside Mo Salah? Um, I think one of the defenders is is pretty much a given at this point. Um, If we look at it just from an overall ownership sort of level. A Liverpool clean sheet is really gonna hurt you if you don't own a Liverpool uh, defender. That that's kind of the way it is right now. Um Van Dijk Robertson and Assonor Arnold are all owned by over 15% of people. Um so you know feasibly 45% of the game plus um has a Liverpool defender in situ. Um I think one of them is absolutely you know essential. Um, watching TAA tonight, um, he is worth every penny of that five point zero, but not worth six point zero. He hasn't been underpriced, you know, he's quite a Quite a defensive fallback in a lot of ways was passable uh, backwards, rather than kind of rampaging into the space. He's not that kind of player. What he is is, is a tidy footballer, um, a young footballer who's who's going to make mistakes. And the crossing isn't fantastic. You, you're going to be looking kind of a random assist, maybe a random goal from a set play. But for 5.0, you get what you pay for. You know, with Van Dijk and Robertson, Van Dijk is just you know, immense today. Very easily, you know, near the free bonus every game. I think. And if they can sort out how they do set of plays, I think he, he could be on for a couple of goals given what a monster he is. And Robertson, you know, very, very impressive because he could have had an assist for Salah. Salah could have assisted him. So, um, yeah, I think kind of having one of them is key. In kind of the the four positions we saw Firmino today looking a little bit out of sorts. And I think, that you know, in contrast, Sergio Mane started the season on fire, up to nine point seven already, owned by thirty percent of the game. And why not? After twenty six points in two games, got Brighton up ahead next. And people who uh, don't own Mane, uh, including Unik in the last game, were cursing themselves when he scored. And I think that that's kind of indicative of the sort of player that he is. So, if you're looking for a second Liverpool kind of attacker, um, I wouldn't look much further than uh, than the former Southampton man. Now, what about Unik? Uh, what are your views on the on on, on the Liverpool kind of uh, counterpart lot?
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely worth covering a Liverpool defence. Um obviously I've got Robertson, he's been really good. Um he, he ended um last season brilliantly, and he seems to have started this season brilliantly as well. He could have easily had an assist in this game as well and um you know this season he's created four chances you mentioned um t a a as a prospect uh picks up a couple of yellow cards um so far he's actually he's created nineteen crosses though, which is more than any other defender, but only actually three of those have been successful, so he's uh, yeah, not, not <laughs> he's, surprised. uh his creation um his uh chance creation stats on. Particularly impressive, and there's always a threat of uh Nathaniel Klein, Nathaniel Klein, who who might uh, you know only play less than half the time, but you know I think uh, TAA seems to have that nailed slot in terms of. Uh, right back slot at the moment and then of course van dyke um your man van dyke um who's uh you know he's, he's an aerial threat isn't he And uh, could easily get on the end of one of those corners uh for me though i think robertson um i, I prefer robertson to van dyke and i think uh, van dyke uh, robertson seems to have uh, be getting more bonus points and creating more chances and so has a higher higher chance of attacking returns and then obviously with um Mane, um, yeah, he's a he's a great pick to be alongside uh, Salah if you can afford two Liverpool players. Um, you know, I think he seems to be ahead of the players, the other players in his price bracket. The Manchester City midfielders um, don't seem to be really hitting their stride quite yet because of all the rotation that they're suffering. Um, and then you've got like Eriksson also in that price bracket, who's not looking too great. So perhaps Mane is is the perfect complement to um, to Salah in midfield. Yeah, exactly. Not on
1: penalties, it seems. If James James is on the pitch, we had a few questions. It is last, still worth it, despite not being on penalties? Well, last season he took two and missed one. So he's got one, one of his 32 goals from penalties. That's nothing to worry about but you know Mane I think a lot of people initially bought him thinking oh he might be on pens doesn't appear to be the case in Milner's playing um, but still has had a really magic start. Moving away from Liverpool then i uh, got a couple more questions Nick the first one's on third strikers uh, FPL Ogre um, asked Ings King uh, you know Callum Wilson if you're looking for a third striker who's the man to be buying and why?
0: Oh, the age-old question about um, first drive, Because I thought you <laughs> might throw um, Andre Gray's name into the hat as well oh, after no, he man. managed to uh, to score uh, this weekend, and also um, his uh, counterpart Troy Deeney, who um, and I think Jay Eggers- Eggersdorf's a big fan of, and he he managed to get a 12-point return from him this game. We remember um, you famously uh, bringing in Troy Deeney for Agüero um, one season, and me thinking, what the hell are you doing? And 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 that was, um, that was the time when you had a bit more luck than you do now. And uh, he, got, he got a big return um, and it paid off for you, actually, which is an interesting one. There's also um, another person, another name I'd like to throw in his hat, and that's Alexander Mitrovic. Did really well for Fulham in the Championship last season. Um, already off the mark um, with a goal against Spurs. He's, he looks he looks pretty good in the World Cup as well uh, for Serbia and Fulham's fixtures. Um, uh, like I said, they've got a few decent games coming out, like like Burnley and Brighton. Definitely one to to keep um, an eye on. I quite like Ings though. Um, Ings. At his price bracket, 5.5. Just frees up a little bit more cash, um, which allows you to invest in, in your defence or or your midfield a little bit more as well. Uh, but yeah, Callum Wilson for Bournemouth as well. Started really well. Definitely one to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've covered off a lot of players there. I think uh, Danny Ings is definitely the one. I mean, a few people have noted that he's only played uh, just, just over two hours uh, of the season. He's taken nine shots so far. Uh, scored one goal um, but you know eight, eight attempts in the box um, and he looks a very kind of clever player doesn't he he looks like a sort of player who's good at linking the uh, midfield to the attack as well he's happy to drop deep and I think he's the sort of guy who uh, has multiple point streams as we noted last week on our kind of little look at him He looks like he's going to be able to kind of contribute goals and assists and to be honest it doesn't really matter who he plays for at 5.5 if he's a, if he's a player with a record of scoring over 10 goals if he is fit Playing for a fairly okay team in Southampton. I mean, the next kind of you know the next kind of seven fixtures up until game week ten aren't that bad at all. They only play Liverpool and Chelsea, of top six teams last season. Uh, the rest of the the fixtures are kind of fair to middling. But I mean, for five point five, if you've got a player who's scoring what every three games, two and a half games, I think that's more than decent. And I think that yeah, if you're looking for a third striker, you want to be minimizing the cost while kind of hoping for value for money in Ings being priced as we said last week as a Liverpool bench sitter uh, but now appears to be a, a starter for, uh, for for the Saints uh, seems to be the way to go um, I don't really see parts I mean yeah you've got Mitrovic for a little bit more uh, but, but I think probably we're going to say Ings there aren't we uh, the, the final question this week is uh, DDG uh, do we get rid of De Gea uh, Magic Darts has asked uh, do we sell Uh, Due to the Mourinho meltdown. And I think this is kind of part of a wider question. I've seen a few people on Twitter, for example, FPL Amy saying, you know, let's get rid of Man Nice altogether. I want off. And, uh, you know, I I agree as well. I've gotten rid of De Gea despite kind of my initial kind of thoughts on him. Just because it just looks like, you know, I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends with Mourinho in the third season. Nick, what do you reckon for De Gea? I mean, he's still owned by uh, 30% of people. Um, I mean, obviously you didn't own him, but if you do own him, if you did own him, would you be looking at kind of getting rid? this week or getting rid of him in the near future?
0: I, I think, to be honest, I argued this at the beginning of the season, that you know, De Gea, uh, his his underlying stats were pretty good this uh, last couple of seasons, but his uh, points of value compared to 4.5 million goalkeepers is not as high. You can free up 1.5 million pounds and invest uh, wisely elsewhere by getting in a 4.5 million defender uh, goalkeeper, and the likes of Everidge are doing really well for Cardiff so far. He's already got 22 points, having somehow saved two penalties in his opening two Premier League games, which is, uh, you know, pretty obviously quite fluky. He's not going to keep that up, but I think, you know, there are quite a lot of decent options around that price. Um, you have got McCarthy at Southampton doing well, Hennessy at Crystal Palace. Um, Foster um, at Watford as well. We've also got my man Patricio who's done pretty terribly so far. <laughs> but, yeah. um, he's another 4.5 million goalkeeper. And, you know, I think for me, a goalkeeper position, you can set and forget it. With a 4.5 million goalkeeper, he's going to get you plenty of saves if they play for a lower lower level club. Um, even if they don't keep a clean sheet, even the likes of Hamer managed to somehow um, get nine saves in that Manchester City balling. So, you know there are a few there are a few options out there in terms of cheaper goalkeepers. And I don't think it's worth, especially in Manchester United's current form. And um, yeah. They're, Terrible performance against Cardiff is worth spending that sort of money on, on De Gea. But then, if you are carding, yeah, fair enough, get rid of. But I wouldn't waste. A, I wouldn't necessarily waste a transfer unless you're you're desperate to to get in the likes of Alonso, and, and the only way you seem to be able to fund it is by selling De Gea.
1: Yeah, I've seen a few of those. Your man, Patricia, is an interesting one, obviously, indicative stats. But they conceded four goals and their xGc, their ex-expected conceded goals, is only one. Uh, so they've conceded three more goals than you'd expect them to. So maybe there's a case to say they've been a little bit unlucky, uh, Wolves. And maybe there's a case to say they're going to be doing a little bit better in the future, so maybe that will be a, a reason <laughs> to keep hold and hopefully. To yeah, it.
0: hopefully, you'll we'll actually be able to make some saves because then that reflects badly on the goalkeeper as well. That extreme yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Well, maybe he's just adjusting to, uh, to to life in the Premier League and adjusting to the new season, as we indeed all are. Right, there's a theme to every pod, Nick, and last week it was, of course, Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, well done to Owen forwards, getting in there and getting it first. There's a theme this week as well. So transfers and captains then, obviously I'm wildcarding, I'll be captaining where Salah. Christ knows what's going to happen to my team over the course of this week, but um, I'm probably, as I said earlier, going to be balancing hindsight and foresight, having Arsenal players as well as kind of uh, covering a lot of the main bases um, and hoping that uh, there's a brighter tomorrow after a, a very, very poor beginning. Uh, what about you, Nick? Uh, what transfers are you making? You've already mentioned the Richarlison one, of course. You're making another one. And uh, who are you capturing this week?
0: So I've got another free transfer. I'm weighing up what I do with it. If I, uh, you know, swap out Davis for the likes of Bellerin or even take a minus four and get Alonso in, um, there's a few options out there. But at the moment, uh, yeah, I haven't made any. I haven't made a second transfer. Obviously, Jota's already left my team for Richarlison. I'm actually uh, thinking of captaining Salah as well, like yourself. Um, you know, I'm a gutter for punishment. So if, if Aguero gets another Hattie, I'm not going to be happy, but I think um, I prefer Salah against Brighton at home. Um, I'm also actually tempted to play Hamer um, in goal. Oh, God, no and way. who has got Cardiff at home ahead of uh, Patricio, who's got uh, Manchester City. I just don't think I'll be able to handle it. Um, if... Uh, Patricio concedes six goals or something so uh, no, yeah sure, no, that's, surely not, so, surely not. Um, it's tempting it's just, just for the lulls I think I'm going <laughs> to play Hamer so uh, yeah that's that's my team for, for this week
1: yeah if, if you do if you do play Hamer and other people follow you you're going to have to apologise a trillion times to them next week <laughs> probably yeah all right, uh, that's a lot for this week. Uh, we are who got the assist. You can find us online at whogottheassist.com. Uh, find us on Twitter at wgta underscore fpl. Uh, our league code is five one six dash four four one. That's the main league. The zombie league is now closed. Thank you, everybody um, who's involved. Please stick to the rules. If not, I'll get rid of you, or someone will uh, rat you out, and then I'll get rid of you anyway. Um, we're back in game week three, but for now, we hope this assisted you, and we'll speak to you
0: then. Thanks, guys. See you later. Right.